Welcome to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Here are your hosts, Alan Burroughs and Claire Jordan. The poet Robert Frost said, the best way out is always through. Welcome to the latest edition of Generously Speaking. Since the pandemic began over six months ago, philanthropy has risen to help fill the void by diminishing donations and program revenues, while demands on the sector continue to increase. We all have to be creative and inventive to fulfill missions and continue ways to relate to our donors who mean so much to the people we serve. Through these times, we at CapDev are seeing time and time again how generous people lean in and increase their giving. That's why we at CapDev started this podcast. We're bringing thought leaders in the nonprofit sector directly to you, since you cannot always come to them. We want to highlight generosity by speaking with those who can help share your stories of great philanthropy. In addition to the audio on our podcast recording, you can also access episode notes of these conversations on our website at capdev.com slash podcasts. Today's guest is Tom Lawrence, president of the Leon Levine Foundation. The Leon Levine Foundation has given away tens of millions of dollars to charities across the Carolinas since its founding in 1980. Leon Levine, founder of Family Dollar Stores, and his wife, Sandra, have demonstrated the joy of generosity time and time again. The Leon Levine family's name graces many charities, including the Levine Museum of the New South and the Levine Children's Hospital, both located in Charlotte. They support hundreds of students from grades K through 12, and support the Levine Scholars for post-secondary education. Recently, the foundation has increased their giving and their generosity beyond the Charlotte region and looking to support more causes across the Carolinas. We at CapDev have seen many clients benefit from the foundation's efforts, including Transitions Life Care, Wake Med Foundation, Triangle Family Services, all in the Raleigh area, and the Jewish Federation of Durham and Chapel Hill. Tom Lawrence began his career in accounting and since 2002 has been involved in the Leon and Sandra Levine's family businesses and interests. He serves as president of the Leon Levine Family Foundation, which focuses its giving in the areas of human service, health care, Jewish values, and education. So let's welcome Tom. Alan, Claire, great to join you all today. I'm I'm glad to be uh, a part of the discussion. Great. We so appreciate what you, your team at the Leon Levine Foundation uh, have been doing for -for not-for-profits since 1980, I believe, but more importantly, where we're headed through all the dynamics of the pandemic and the fact that the foundation is moving forward and thinking out loud about some of the things that they want to accomplish as well. So that's the purpose of the day's call. So thank you for that. I really want to start out by just simply saying, tell us more about the Levine Foundation and what Leon Levine Foundation is doing. Happy to do it. Leon Levine was the founder of Family Dollar Stores back in 1959, right here in Charlotte. Central Avenue was the first store. He created the Leon Levine Foundation, like you said, in 1980, and it operated for a period of time and really grew to size in mid to late 2000s. Leon Levine was uh, a great negotiator. And he worked so hard to get uh, low prices for his inventory. I think what was interesting was his philosophy was to pass those savings to his customers because he knew that there were so many families shopping with him that were just trying to make ends meet. And we worked really hard to make sure that that same philosophy has translated into the giving of the Leon Levine Foundation. 
So it focuses primarily on helping individuals and families move from poverty to self-sufficiency. And we focus our giving in four major mission areas, healthcare, human services, education, and Jewish values. Our primary geography that we focus on is now across the Carolinas. Well, let's talk about that too, because you were founded in the Charlotte area. You've had a lot of focus historically in that sort of geographic scope. No one that on occasion have moved out to like Appalachian State or to a Duke University. But starting last fall, I know that the foundation has made more of a concerted effort to expand their footprint. And can you talk more about the purpose behind that expansion and how it fits into the strategic direction of the foundation? To answer that question, I need to go back a few years. Through 2016, nearly all of our giving was in Mecklenburg County easily over 90%. And that was for a reason. As I mentioned, you know, we really worked on growing the foundation with its grant-making strategy, its mission, its staffing, et cetera, when we really uh, scaled up in the mid to late 2000s. And then through 2016, we worked really hard to refine all of those different strategies. And so once we got comfortable with being able to work with the partners that we had here in Mecklenburg County and getting to know them all and making sure that we were comfortable with the outcomes and the mission, we decided to expand. When Mr. Levine was growing Family Dollar, the Carolinas were critical to his early growth and success. And so the Carolinas have always been a special place for him and and his family. And so that was a natural place for us to expand his philanthropy. And so the beginning of 2017, we really started intentionally expanding across the Carolinas, both both north and south equally, and have done so. And it's been really amazing to see the, the similarities and the differences in, in those markets. You know, at this point, we certainly expect to continue that expansion. Well, I know that is music to our listeners' ears in the advent of the pandemic and the foresight that the foundation had Nobody anticipated what was going to happen in 2020 and the fact that you had already taken the initiative to move out into the greater markets of the Carolinas. It means a lot to the not-for-profits that I know we've served, as well as those that have come to the Levine Foundation seeking some support. So thank you for that. Let's talk about now that you've had this sort of expanding footprint, what are you seeing across the nonprofit landscape as you respond to these requests during the pandemic? What makes an agency strong, in your opinion, and Or what piques your interest as you see nonprofits come to your doorstep? We've seen a lot of really interesting changes and differences uh, that obviously that have related from the pandemic that really no one in our industry has seen before. I think about looking through our partners and what they're dealing with. Several examples specifically come to mind within human services, especially the increased basic needs, especially around food and, and shelter has been a huge increase. The, the expiration of the enhanced unemployment at the end of July is only going to uh, only had a, a further increase for those needs. Look at what's going on with schools these days. Uh, using Charlotte Mecklenburg as an example, there are 84,000 children who rely on the school system for food. Um, and so to see how a lot of these organizations have pivoted to be able to help those particular and unique needs has been amazing. Within education, we've seen a new digital divide occur and really get a bright spotlight on it. There are 
you know, nearly 10% of children here and, and numbers similar across the Carolinas for those who don't have access to internet. And that's the way school is being delivered today. So that, you know, that's a, a major need for our community. We've seen financial impacts be very substantial as well. I, I look at our Jewish values partners who are unable to deliver summer camp programming or the Jewish community centers, which are the hub of, uh, you know, not only Jewish life, but also of um, programming and financials in these communities. And a lot of nonprofits that are struggling with a decline in their earned revenue uh, is something that we've kept an eye on. But we've also seen some great innovation. And the example that I would tell you about there is within our healthcare mission area, we all are used to being on Zoom calls now. That has become a very common area for us to to get used to. And the healthcare industry has really pushed out that technological advancement with telemedicine. And we've seen it in primary care. We've seen it in behavioral health, adults, and pediatrics. And it's been very successfully rolled out. You also ask what makes an agency strong. And from our perspective within the foundation, we have several areas that we really look at with our nonprofit partners. For us, it really all starts with leadership. We're looking to create a partnership with a nonprofit and help them deliver the impact that they've been doing so well. And what we see the most effective nonprofits have is very effective leadership at both the staff and board levels, and the way those individuals work together to deliver their impact. We are also looking at what the track record of impact is. Is it something that's measurable? Is there a trend? And how do they consider success? And then sustainability is a factor. What's the financial and operational sustainability for these organizations? And do they understand well and feel comfortable that they will be able to continue operating no matter what the landscape brings. And of course, this year, we've seen certainly a, a unique view for sustainability and how organizations are really dealing most effectively with it. I think it's interesting, Tom, you talk about things like telemedicine, which are in of itself have been around in existence for a while, but yet have had to sort of expedite their usage and their technology, given the fact that we have to sort of act more social distanced and remotely, it sounds like the foundation has, very, has been very responsive to those types of innovation conversations. It sounds like historically you've always been sort of, is that sort of thematic as you look at the different values that you place at the, the sectors being healthcare, human service, Jewish values, education, you're willing to sort of roll up your sleeves and think with the nonprofit on how do we innovate, be more creative during these times? That's certainly a characteristic of a, a best practice that we're seeing with a lot of nonprofits. Some nonprofits were caught flat-footed and weren't prepared for a a major systemic change in the industry, but a lot of really hardworking, passionate nonprofits in in the Carolinas were prepared for whatever it could be. Obviously, no one expecting a pandemic with some sort of crisis. I would say innovation is is a big component of what we're seeing with nonprofits these days. And our flex that we've tried to do with some of those nonprofits has been, as I mentioned, we're creating these partnerships with these talented folks. And to the extent we can find those great leaders, we've been more likely to uh, provide more unrestricted type general operating funds instead of having restrictions, trying to give the flexibility of our funding to those partners that we 
know and 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 see you know not only that they're going to be impactful but also letting them leverage their innovation uh, with some of our funding. Yeah, you know, we heard some of that response in our spring episodes of this podcast, interviewing people like Damon at Fletcher and others who were able to really refer back to that concept of the flex you mentioned and immediately be more receptive to needs and to be able to mold your model to fit what's happening now. And I think the people that we work with, those nonprofits, were uh, were so appreciative of that. And seeing that continue has become a little bit of a silver lining. At the same time, they ask us frequently, and you may hear this as well, what do I do? They look to us for advice and to help equip them and give them the tools and resources they need. And in doing that, I think hearing from foundations like yours helps them just generally to understand what advice are you giving to nonprofits now? I mean, they want to know, should I even be out fundraising in the beginning? You know, and now I hope they understand, yes, you should. But I'm curious, what's your sort of general advice to all the types of nonprofits that we might be having listening to us now. We're really encouraging nonprofits to continue a focus on their mission. You know, I think a lot of nonprofits have had a, a solid contingency plan and have had to deal with one of the most unique and challenging environments that they ever have or possibly ever will have to go through over the last six months. And, you know, it, it continues to be a challenging time and it's easy to drift away from your mission focus. And so we've encouraged nonprofits to stay focused on what they do and what they do well and really understand how they fit into their particular continuum of care or service delivery because so many do it so well. You know, these days as well in, in this type of environment, having board engagement making sure that staff and board are aligned and working together and the staffs are able to take advantage of the, the benefits, the experience, the networks of their boards is so critical in this kind of time. Everybody's got to be rowing together. Most effective nonprofits really have that going on as well. And I think finding the good of what's happening out there. There are so many challenges. Being able to focus on the wins that each organization has is so important. And then lastly, I think I would mention that being aware of nonprofit staff mental health, it's so easy and we're hearing so much more about the risk of burnout from so much work that's going on these days and so much additional effort uh, to make sure that these nonprofits are keeping up with their staffs and, and being able to help where they can. And that may be a long-term need. We hear a lot from staff at organizations who just need to be heard. And we put on our therapist hat and listen to them as I bet you do too. So I'm going to ask you a hard question. If you could sort of look into your crystal ball and tell us what you see as the impact of this pandemic on the future of the social sector of nonprofits generally, what do you see ahead from this? I wish I had the crystal ball, but I will certainly give you my best thoughts. I think there are some big picture and more specific areas. And just looking into our particular mission focus, looking at what is coming to some of those is 
important to our work and I think also to a lot of nonprofits. A few examples. So within healthcare, you know, we've seen a significant deferral of service needs. So, you know, individuals have been uh, waiting to go to get the healthcare that they need because of fear of, of getting COVID or, or becoming sick because they're going to a clinic or whatever and being around folk. You know, that's been a risk. So we're expecting a, an increase in healthcare. You know, within education, a lot of at-risk children are, you know, already challenged with falling behind and the current environment with online learning and lack of access, lack of resources, uh, it has a lot of uh, risk of making that gap even worse, causing these children to fall farther behind. Within our human services areas, we think about housing in a big way and basic needs. The moratorium on eviction has been extended by the CDC through the end of 2020. But, you know, in 2021, those dollars have to get paid back, fees and rents that have been extended. So that will cause additional pressure for these folks uh, who are already under so much pressure come 2021. You know, but I also think that as I look to the future for the nonprofit sector, it's a time to shine. I really do think that never before has the nonprofit sector been as needed as it is now. Uh, and like we talked about before, it's it's so easy to get overwhelmed with the negativity out there, but there is so much good that that is happening. And I think that there will be a lot of positive outcomes that happen from the crisis as we look back at it. And it's just important to be focused on those, to appreciate them when they happen, and to be looking for those ways to, to have that benefit for our community. So true. I'm so glad you see the shiny part of the crystal ball. And I think that that's something we all struggle with in our sector, which is there are a lot of stresses because there is a lot of pressure on the nonprofit sector to relieve what the government sector isn't doing to fill the gaps. And that's always been our role. But balancing the pressures of that work with what we see as true generosity is why we do this and why we call what our work is the joy of generosity. And we get to see so many good examples of it. So that leads us to our last question, which we ask everyone we interview to please, if you would share an example of the great generosity you get to see. I think back to the fall of 2008 and the great economic recession which was such a challenging time for so many people and coincided with the early stages of the foundation's growth from a systemic and, and strategic standpoint. One of the most significant impacts on the nonprofit sector at that time was a huge pullback in giving. But I can still remember the board meeting that we had in October of 08 when Mr. Levine said, we have to do something. He'd seen these reports of, of not only the decrease in giving, but also the huge spike in need. And on the spot and without really thinking about it in detail, he directed us to find a way to quickly make a million dollar investment in those who need it the most. That simple and quick decision became a partnership with the Foundation for the Carolinas and eventually led to the creation of, in Charlotte, the Critical Need Response Fund, which ultimately gave away millions over several years during the economic downturn and really helped to stabilize a lot of the nonprofits and the, the, the people who were hurt by that challenging time. 
But I think about just the way that the decision happened, the generosity that was based in giving away those kinds of dollars, but just the, the way that it happened was so important and impactful. It's a great example of the generosity of, of the Levine and something that I always remember. It is. And doesn't it make you just feel lucky to be in that enviable position you are to get to see that heart in action? I think about it every day, how lucky we are to be part of a foundation like this that's having so much impact and gets to meet and partner with so many hardworking and passionate nonprofit professionals across our Carolinas. I know that our communities and our region are better for it. Well, it really shows. And Tom, you said something early about in the history of the Family Dollar Store and what Leon Levine was seeing at the time about families struggling, if you will, and needing opportunities. The foundation's philosophy, its core mission sounds very similar. It sees opportunity where there, there is stress or there's concern, but there is opportunity. And I think we all are appreciative of what the Leon Levine family and its foundation, Sandra and Leon particularly, have been doing for decades uh, and an opportunity once again at a moment of crisis has stepped forward and saying we can help be part of the solution. I We also see across the spectrum, you're not the only part of the solution because you know you are integrating other foundations, the public sector, and trying to encourage individuals being more generous. And I think by leadership is always by example. And the Leon Levine Foundation is setting a prime example of what we all can be doing during these times, and quite frankly, in all times. So thank you for your willingness to join us today on Generously Speaking. Thank you for what you and the foundation are doing across the Carolinas and beyond to spread the joy of generosity. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much for those kind words. Really appreciate it. And it was great to be with you this morning. You've been listening to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Look for our podcast episode notes at capdev.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn.